0: hey folks welcome back to the friday show here on the culture jacked podcast my name is dustin and i will be your host for today's episode uh i just i just had messed that up before and i i got it reversed i said it was uh the the culture jacked podcast and then it was the friday show but if i'm being my most truthful self, the most truthful to who I am and to what this show represents to this podcast in its entirety. It's the Friday show on the culture Jack podcast. And I am Dustin. And today on the show, I'm going to be talking about, uh, what if on Disney plus. So hopefully you've seen a couple episodes of, of what if, if not, there are going to be spoilers. Um, there are going to be spoilers in this episode, and I don't know if you've been, been catching the other shows that we've been doing, Anthony and myself, but he managed to, to make it all the way down to where I live, and we got an opportunity once again for longtime listeners of the show to do some episodes with me together. We got to do some combined episodes. Have you been listening to those? Have you heard any of them? What do you think? Tell us, leave us a comment. Do, do we work uh, better separately or together? Or is there is there something that you like about both of those uh, things? This is the Culture Jack Podcast. If this is your first time on this podcast, thank you so much for checking it out. Sit in, buckle up, sit down, buckle up. Sit up, buckle down, buckle in. Regardless of what you're going to do, uh, thanks for listening to the show. We've got a lot of shows On this podcast channel, we have a show we call On Today's Episode, where we talk about movies and television shows that we're currently watching or that we have already watched and are giving our review, our recap, and maybe some ideas about what the future to that series or that property could hold, and usually, I would do a show... Like this, where I'm talking about a property, especially a serialized property, like what if on Disney plus, but I, for whatever reason I decided not to, why did I decide not to? Oh, because I'm uh, reviewing and, and recapping kind of the first four episodes. And usually on those shows, I would do an episode a piece. I'd break it down. I'd talk about what it means to the future of that series. i talk about what it means to maybe, in this case, the future of the MCU. So we've got those kinds of shows. Uh, Anthony does a couple shows. He does a news show on Sunday called The Weekend Wire. He also has a show where he curates his own original content on uh, Monday. Called Monday Madness, and then we have a vagabond named Archimedes, who I guess uh, is gone in the wind. We don't know where he is. He's thrown quite a, a temper tantrum. Um, we've experienced a, a little bit of a rocky ride with him as of late. Uh, he got onto our our Twitter account, our Instagram account, and started posting some very strange things on on Facebook and the like. And so we don't know where he is right now, but we hope to find him at. At some point he's got a new show. But I've I've been covering that lately. If you caught my show or, or shows yesterday, if I managed to pull the two off. Um but for these combined shows, it, it it's really fun because we don't have really a a solid idea going into them of what they're going to be about. We kind of At least for these first uh, few that we've done, we've kind of just gone with the flow and and felt out the conversation and let it flow naturally uh, from there. Whereas these kinds of shows, the Friday shows, I do a little bit more preparation and I, you know, take some notes. In some cases, some of the what I like to think are better ones are more they're even scripted out. Um, And it's it's funny doing these shows with uh, Anthony because we have. Or when we started the podcast, we we kind of weren't really sure what direction this podcast would go. Eventually, we settled on this kind of nerd culture paradigm, which we were both really enamored with, where we talk about movies and games and, and comic books and, and television and, uh, uh, you know, technology stuff. But at first, we were just throwing anything up against the wall. And this was as random as a podcast as you think this is now back before when we started it was i mean we were talking about uh, weightlifting things automotive things <laughs> we we talked about i don't think we talked about political things that much but we did a little bit um and it was just very very random i think there's less of that now uh, but it has been good to, to do those episodes so if you haven't haven't checked those out go ahead and and listen to those. Um, there is going to be, before I get started into these episodes, there are going to be massive spoilers for the What If series on Disney+. And we're going to talk a little bit about the implications of there being uh, this show. Not just this show, but you know things like Loki and um, WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And what kind of implications those are going to have on the greater MCU as a whole... And really how a invested Disney Plus audience uh, can can have a movie in that universe that so too a casual Marvel or MCU fan can go to. So there are spoilers for What If. I am going to be talking about the first four episodes of What If. What if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? What if T'Challa became Star-Lord? What if the world lost its mightiest heroes? And finally, what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? Now, if you would be so kind, if you enjoy the content that you get from me today, leave a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening on, or go over to Facebook, leave us a comment, let us know how we did, or send us an email. You can go to culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. But Loki was a Disney Plus show, and it had all kinds of implications for the MCU as a whole. Now, spoilers for Loki if you haven't seen that one yet. Uh, At the end of Loki, uh, Kang, or not Kang, uh, He Who Remains. he, He wasn't named as Kang, but He Who Remains was killed by the variant of Loki Sylvie. And when Sylvie killed Kang, actually it happened before that, it, a lot of th- people think that it was uh an after effect a a causation uh from the series one division but the the multiverse which was being held together in this very regimented very solitary way by Kang began, began to to splinter and come apart and all these different realities where Things could have gone differently. The Avengers could have lost. Tony Stark never uh, became Iron Man. Thor uh, was actually a Frost Giant's child or whatever. All of these random scenarios that we have seen uh, appear in comics for a long, long time. Now they are a possibility in the MCU. And so Loki had some great, I guess, uh, ripple effects. Out into the, the greater MCU and this one, it, this show kind of feels like a show that is getting audiences used to the idea that these characters that they know or love could have acted in a different way, could have experienced a different outcome or things could have changed entirely for them. And I think it's such a wonderful way to introduce that that concept. So the first one, the first episode was the uh, Captain Carter episode and we are introduced to the idea of the multiverse and this character Uatu, the Watcher, who he doesn't interfere, he just watches and he, I guess he records for posterity, I'm not entirely familiar with the Watcher lore, but he, he narrates the events that go on in these episodes and in this episode, He says, you know, in the first Captain America, when Steve Rogers was going to get into the machine to turn him into Captain America, the one that would would give him the super soldier serum and have him become the hero that he was in this particular universe, when everyone was going to go up to an observation booth, Peggy Carter, who had gone up to the observation booth in the Captain America First Avenger movie, she decided not to. And that was the point. The said, there. There it was. There was the point where things changed. When Peggy Carter decided not to go uh, up, but instead stay on the floor, uh, that's where everything changed. That's where this timeline changed. And so what happens is there's an explosion, the terrorist attacks, just like they did before. But Steve Rogers is injured, so he cannot get into the machine to turn him into Captain America, or at least the powered Captain America that we know. And so... uh, (laughs) <laughs> the general's like, Howard Stark, you get in there. And he's like, I can't get in there. I'm the buttons guy. And Peggy Carter's there. And at the risk of this machine, which is failing, it's shutting down. She gets in. And so the experiment is not lost, becomes super powered. She takes the super soldier serum. And it's it's really funny because the hatch is open, just like they did in the movie. And Peggy is now ripped out of her mind. She looks like an Olympic power lifter. But the doors open, and I think for some people on the internet, and I don't know who you are out there, but I think the sight of a very muscular Peggy Carter probably awakened some some kind of thing that you had dwelling down deep inside of you that you wanted to just be punished by Peggy Carter. Perhaps, I don't know. Regardless, uh, buff Peggy uh, is now Captain Carter, essentially, and It's it's cool the way that they play the character because uh, the character, the the general, you know, I mean, this is back in the 1930s, 1940s. Right. Um, Very sexist. And he says, you know, you you're a woman. You can't you can't they don't even let her do the USO shows uh, that Captain America did. He was kind of just the the figurehead for the war. But Peggy doesn't get to do that because she's a woman and they talk about how they've wasted the experiment and they're getting blood samples from her. And she's like, no, I can do. I can do more, and she's very frustrated with this whole this whole thing. And at one point, it's so cool. The it's kind of a uh, a foreshadowing for her actually becoming Captain Carter, which we knew she was going to. But she's in the gym and she's just throwing these uh, barbell plates just against the wall like frisbees, and they're just sticking into the wall. And there's just dozens of them in the wall. Um, but she does eventually get a shield and a uniform from Howard Stark and she like uh Captain Steve Rogers in the original movie goes in and rescues uh, a bunch of prisoners of war and she fights Hydra um and she frees the howling commandos to include Bucky Barnes the the thing about it is in this scene where she's fighting off this Hydra for the first time uh and, you know, really testing her powers, the animation struck me in these what-if shows, because I wasn't sure about them. I mean, we'd, we'd all seen the previews, and we all got very excited about the potential possibilities about what was going to show up in this show. But let's be perfectly honest. Let's be perfectly frank. When it comes to animated superhero features, movies and shows, when you look at the pedigree behind the Marvel movies... Behind the DC movies, and I'm talking the animated ones, DC has notoriously done a much, much better job than Marvel. Now, of course, there are the standoffs. There are the Sony uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse movies that really throws that whole throws that whole concept right out the window. Uh, but on the whole, some of these Marvel animated shows and animated movies, well, frankly, they just look like, they look like trash. They look like a quick uh, cash grab. They look like a Disney movie spin off. Like if you have a, a popular Disney animated feature, some of those spin offs just look absolutely terrible. Whereas the DC animated shows and movies have a marvelous track record of being very, very good. <clears throat> but. I was not disappointed with the way that this was animated, and I was talking to Anthony about it even. The way that they did the lighting and the shadows uh, on these characters and the the fluid way that the animation was. Now, I'm not typically a guy who enjoys a 3D animation, even if it is delightfully cel-shaded like this one was, but this did not bother me, and once I got over my initial stigma of that animation style... Well, I was, I was fine with it for the rest of the episodes that I, that I saw, but the fight scenes were very good. There was a, a scene where, uh, later because Steve Rogers was made into like a, an Iron Man type character, uh, Peggy was flying on him and they were essentially doing a dog fight with these other fighter pilots, uh, these other Nazi, uh, pilots and, she threw herself onto the cockpit of a plane, smashed her way in, beat the hell out of the, the pilots, jumped out of that one, flew, <laughs> flew through with her shield uh, to use as kind of a battering ram, right through the prop of another plane, jumped off of that, did a beautiful back layout somersault, and then landed squarely on top of the Steve, Steve Rogers uh, Iron Man, which I think they called like a Hydra Stomper. Or, or something along li- along those lines. Now, the thing about this show was or is or this particular episode is I was watching it with my daughter on the second watch because, I of course, I have to watch these things more than once. And she was like, wow, she's strong. Wow, she's amazing. And I know I've said it on the podcast before, but there are moments where my eyes are just opened to what representation in these types of movies means and what these, uh, types of movies or representation means to, uh, young girls or peoples of color. Um, it's, I, it's very important to be able to see yourself as a hero. And I didn't get that at first. I didn't get that for a long time, but I'm starting to understand, I think. Um, so this movie though, or this show, this episode is nearly a beat for beat on the original Captain America first Avenger movie. And so it's got a lot of the same plot points. It is different though, because Bucky Barnes is never lost in it. Uh, Bucky, (laughs) Bucky Barnes, by the way, makes a lot of uh, fish puns, strangely enough in the show. And I don't know if he's going to show up in the future in future episodes of what if, and I'll talk a little bit more about the, the nature of what if, whether it's, each of them are compartmentalized uh, universes and shows or episodes, or if they play into a, a wider overarching theme. I mean, I, I think we find out around the time of episode four, but, but we'll, uh, we'll save that uh, for just a moment. So Steve Rogers, <coughs> like I said, is made into like an early Iron Man character uh, with the Tesseract. And during the train heist, uh, it turns out the train was rigged, and uh, it exploded uh, along with Steve Rogers. And so he was captured along with the Tesseract. And Red Skull decides to use the Tesseract to summon this interdimensional beast. Uh, these these tentacles that come out and eventually crush the Red Skull. Um, and he has a fight. He, well, he, yeah, he's crushed by, by the by the galactic octopus that he's summoned, or squid. I don't know, we never really see, well, I guess we do see its mouth, it opens up its maw, but it continues growing and growing, and and Howard Stark, and Steve gets his armor back, and so he's fighting alongside uh, Captain Peggy Carter, and there's a really cool scene, because Peggy, she's got the shield already, but she rips like this sword off the wall, and I mean, it's just so badass. It's something that that could have very easily happened, Uh, you know, with maybe uh, Age of Ultron and Captain America snatches a sword off of some, some mansion while they're fighting the robots there and fights with a sword for a little bit would have been great. Uh, But I'm still very happy to see the action sequence used in this particular episode. So she eventually sacrifices herself to stop this beast. She pushes it with her shield back into the portal from whence it came and Uh, The portal on the other side, which happens to be years into the future, she comes out with a shredded up octopus tentacles and there is Nick Fury and Clint Barton Hawkeye. And so she's made it into the future. This future where um, Captain America, you know, Steve Rogers doesn't exist. And so now we have an alternate timeline uh, with these guys. And so this really got me thinking. Are we going to see more of this particular character with this particular thread in this particular universe, or is that it? Are they just episodes to get us to think, to get us used to the idea of the multiverse, or is the MCU setting us up for a potential... Uh, run in with these characters? Is it, is it also familiarizing us with these characters that are going to play a bigger role in the MCU? And I did see a rumor to that effect. And the the, the rumor was, it was last week, I think, uh, about the Illuminati. Now in the Illuminati, the Illuminati is kind of a, a secret cabal of these powered people that... They get their teams to organize, so if it's the Avengers and the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and the Inhumans, they all get together uh, to kind of coordinate efforts for these bigger scale events. And in these particular rumors, the characters uh, or the members of the Illuminati team are, again, this is purely uh, conjecture, speculation and rumor, Professor X, Captain Carter, Balder the Brave, Monica Rambeau, and Mordo. And these rumors are based on the fact that uh, these characters are going to make an introduction or an appearance in the Doctor Strange sequel, The Multiverse of Madness. Now, in the comics, this has changed a little bit because the Illuminati in the comics were Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Black Bolt, Professor X, Reed Richards, Namor, and Iron Man. So we may still yet see versions of those characters in an Illuminati, but maybe one of a different dimension or a different uh, of a different timeline. So overall, a a very good episode and uh, a good place to start the series. But the series only picks up from there. uh, The second episode where T'Challa becomes Star-Lord, it starts with him stealing the Power Stone and then uh, Korath the Pursuer Uh, The character from the, the original Guardians of the Galaxy movie came in to stop him. But instead of going, "Who are you, Star Lord? What are you talking about?" They kind of flip that on its head, and he goes, "Oh, you're Star Lord. You're you're great. I'm a big fan." And he starts gushing. And uh, T'Challa, Star Lord, insists that they fight, and they fight. And Korath accidentally hits him. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." He's like, "Ah, don't be. Try again. Do it faster." And then they fight and fight and fight. Korath wants to join him. He says, "Hey, look, the Ravagers. We're kind of kind of fully staffed right now. Uh, not to worry about it." Uh, but it turns out that in this universe, in this timeline, uh, Yondu, instead of going personally to Earth to to snatch up Peter Quill to get for his father Ego, who, who if you remember from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, that was what his assignment was. Instead of doing that, he sent his underlings and his underlings, uh, they snatched up T'Challa instead. And it was was funny because they've got taser faces back in it. And he's like, all earthlings, you know, they look the same to me. Um, But when he gets Quill, T'Challa said, or not, not, not Quill, T'Challa. When he gets T'Challa, T'Challa said he wanted to explore. And so Yondu said, hey, why just explore there when you could explore all of the, of the stars. And it made me a little bit teary eyed this episode because this is the, the final performance of Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, as Star Lord, T'Challa as Star Lord. Um, so I think that's really neat. Now, not all of the, not all of the characters are portrayed by their original actors. I know Robert Downey Jr. didn't show up. Um, I think there was a little bit of controversy as well because uh, Dave Bautista was not even approached to play Drax, and in this episode, there's a an appearance by Drax. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um but Star-Lord has a much better reputation. And there it's I mean it's so cool the differences between the the canon of the MCU and these hypotheticals that were being thrown into all of a sudden. Uh so they go to a go to a bar to celebrate afterwards after they get the power stone and Yondu comes to save him from an army and he's like Ravagers never fly alone you saw it in the in the trailer and he zaps him with his his arrow and they go to party uh, at a bar and it turns out that Thanos is actually a member of the Ravager crew and they're like well you were about to conquer the conquer the, the universe or whatever. You were about to kill half the people. And he explains that T'Challa just talked him out of it. He said, you know, he talked about better resource allocation or, or whatever the case may be. So I didn't have to do that. And Korath called him Captain Genocide, which was, was pretty funny as well. And it's also interesting that T'Challa was able to talk him out of his genocidal, uh, narcissistic, sociopath Uh, plan just due to the fact that, hey, look, why don't you just multiply resources? Why don't you allocate resources in in a better way? And that is something that fans on the Internet have long decried that Thanos, well, there's other things that he could have done besides wiping out half of the universe's uh, population. However, now that Thanos was gone, there, there was a power vacuum. And who filled that power vacuum? Well, it was the Collector. Now, the Collector, uh, he's, he's kind of filled this power vacuum that Thanos left. And it makes sense, too, because there was that Thor 2 in credit scene. I don't know if you remember all the way back to Thor 2. But after they had managed to secure the Aether, or, or the Aether, the Aether, the I don't remember what they called it, but essentially the not the mindstone, stone, the reality, the reality stone, the reality gem. They brought it to the collector and he, you know, the Asgardians and he grabbed it in his hands and he was like, two down, four to go. And so that was kind of a, a plot line, a thread that was never really addressed or followed up on. So that's another cool thing about this show is they can follow up on these. Uh, different plot lines, these different plot points that uh, really they didn't, they don't have to now, and and they can never say, oh, it's a loose end. Well, look, yeah, we followed up with it over here in this other uh, potential story or this other hypothetical situation. Um, so they they're in this bar and Nebula has a plan to steal the embers of Genesis, which could allow them. To feed billions, she says, from the collector. The collector's got this thing, and so Star Lord T'Challa says, "Yeah, let's do it." And Yondu, he doesn't want to do it. He says, "Hey, look, it's a trap. Uh, We can't, we can't be putting ourselves in this situation." And T'Challa says, "That's who we are, man. We're like, we're like Robin Hood, you know. We, we steal from the rich to give to the poor, sort of thing." And Yondu's like, "Hey, look, man. I'm sorry. You know, we went back to your planet, and there was..." Maybe he didn't say this. Maybe this was just implied in a conversation between a different character. But they eventually, they had gone back to Earth to put him back with Wakanda, or they told him they did, and said that Wakanda had been ravaged by war along with, you know, everything else on Earth. Um, So, the Black Order's working for the Collector now. They go to nowhere again, um, and... They, their plan is to cause a distraction, and so Korath, he's outside fighting Thanos, and Thanos is like, go ahead, call me Captain Genocide again, and he's like, you're not supposed to punch me for real, and they get into a fight and distract the Black Order. Meanwhile, T'Challa breaks in, but he can't find anything, because the collector's collection is so expansive, it's so huge, and so he goes to recruit help from Howard the Duck, which is, was awesome to see more Howard a, Howard the Duck, and he says something like, you know, you go with the duck, you're in luck, that's what they say, and T'Challa says, nobody says that. But as Howard the Duck is trying to guide him, he stops at a bar to get more more booze, and T'Challa discovers there's like a Wakandian spacecraft, that Yondu was lying, that the Wakandans had actually been out in space looking for their lost prince, T'Challa. So eventually, T'Challa is captured, uh, because Nebula seemingly betrays him, though it's kind of a double-triple-cross, which Korath says, ah, it was a triple-cross. And Yondu and T'Challa have to fight the Collector. There's a very interesting point about this Collector fight that I did not catch until I was doing some reading online, but people did. The Collector's got all these things he can fight with. He's got Captain America's shield, it looks like. He's got all of these different swords and weapons, but he also has Hela's, the headdress that she wore, and apparently, this was the thing that allowed her to to spawn those swords and spears out of her hands and body. Uh, and he said, "Ah, Hella's Necro swords, which was kind of a throwaway line to me, but looking further into it on the internet, uh, a Necro sword, they hadn't been called that in Thor Ragnarok, but a Necro sword. in the comics, Hella stole a Necro sword. Uh, called All Black or from All Black, which I guess is like an original symbiote. And then that that All Black sword was wielded by Null, uh, who is also a symbiote, or maybe he's like the king of the symbiotes or something. I I know there's a current comic line going on about symbiotes right now. And also something I, I found in my reading about this is someone who had wielded the all black necro sword or all black symbiote? Is Gore the God Butcher? And Gore the God Butcher, as we all know, is going to be portrayed by Christian Bale in Thor, Love, and Thunder. And so, All Black could be satiating his thirst for blood through the universe on the gods that Gore the God Butcher is slaying, thus opening up an opportunity. For Null, for this all-powerful symbiote to to enter the Earth, which is pretty cool because the symbiote is not necessarily, at least not yet, a part of the MCU. He's part of the Sony Spider Verse, right? And so this it could be one of our first potential crossover connections uh, between the two the two universes. So I'm very excited, and maybe these people on the internet, maybe myself included, getting caught up in all of this hype. Uh, <laughs> is is a, is a stretch, it's a reach, it's um, maybe maybe gone a little too far, putting the cart before the horse sort of thing. But I'm very excited about it as well. I love these little little Easter eggs, these little hints that people that are much more in tuned with the comic book lore can help me help me along the way. So Nebula, uh, Thanos, and the crew they eventually defeat the Black Order and they launch the Embers of Genesis to get out of there. I think they actually throw it down. Uh, the Ma's foot? No, Ebony Ma, they they dispatch him in some other way. Who's the big guy with the hammer that was in I- Infinity War? Uh, they threw the, the embers down his throat and he exploded into a tree. Uh, <clears throat> Yandu and T'Challa, they defeat the Collector, they kick him into a cage, and they give the remote to the, the servant girl who then opens up everyone else's cages and then the Collector's cage to we presume take their their vengeance upon the collector for keeping them housed uh, in a cage, and then Yondu and the Ravagers they all uh, load up and they head back to Wakanda, where T'Challa lies for Yondu, not to say that he was kidnapped, but that he was lost and he was found by Yondu and he helped him uh, explore explore the stars. So a very good episode, a little bit I mean, a little bit emotional in a, in a couple places. I'm hoping that because I think these are going to have an overarching theme where they are going to be connected in some way. I'm hoping we see more of T'Challa's Star-Lord, at least in this series. The third episode I felt like was kind of the weakest episode. I mean, it's it's probably the weakest episode or to me it was, um, but it was the weakest of the first four so far. And I know by the time you you hear this recording, we'll have five of these episodes out. So number five could very well be the weakest at this point or maybe the strongest. Who knows? We'll see. Um, Maybe I'll do another one of these. We'll talk talk some more about it. But in it, uh, Nick Fury and Black Widow, like in Iron Man 2, are going to try and recruit Iron Man for uh, the Avengers initiative. They want him as part of the team, As, as we all know from the movies we saw through Infinity War and Endgame, Iron Man was a core part of the team. And in many instances, or in many cases, the de facto leader of the team. But before they could get him in, they gave him the shot to cure up his whatever was going on with his arc reactor. And he died. He was poisoned. In this universe, he dies right away. Black Widow is then uh, accused of his murder and sent off to prison, which she very promptly escapes from meanwhile, Phil Coulson, uh, Nick Fury, you know, they're looking to recruit whoever is uh, the owner of this hammer that has fallen in the desert. And he beats up a bunch of guards. And, you know, just like in the movies, Clint Barton, Hawkeye, he gets raised up in a basket and he's got a shot on this guy that's going to take this hammer. And he's got a shot and it's raining. And, hey, we better take the shot if we're going to take the shot. And then Nick Fury says, hey, don't take the shot. But Hawkeye takes the shot. And then he was like, wait, I didn't take that shot. I didn't do that. And so he is then charged with the murder of Thor. And during his imprisonment, well, he uh, after he's killed Thor with an arrow to the chest before Thor had an opportunity to pick up his mighty hammer, which I don't think at this point in the Thor movie, the original movie, he even did. I think he struggled with it and then was arrested and then released by Selvig and uh, Darcy and Jane Foster. Um, Regardless, uh, Clint is then killed, and Loki comes for revenge. He comes down with the Asgardian army, and he says, hey, look, we are here to take revenge on uh, Midgard for the slaughter of the crown prince, Thor. How dare you do this? How dare you do this thing? And and so Loki takes the, the frost giant box, the freeze box that was in that first first movie and he starts freezing all of the shield and Nick Fury's like wait you know give me give me some give me some time you know give me a give me a few days to solve this murder I'll bring you I'll bring you the murderer because someone's killing my people too and Loki says hey you got a day you got until the sun uh rises I think is what he said um so then Black Widow's trying to solve the case well Nick Fury is trying to assage the 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 hackles of a Asgardian god Loki uh Black Widow Natasha Romanoff is off trying to solve this solve this case and she goes to find the Hulk goes to find Bruce Banner uh oh I didn't talk about it in the last episode uh in episode number 2 well they were at the bar well T'Challa was at the bar uh he ran into Drax who was a big fan wanted to get a selfie got a selfie and he says oh my god we need to take another one of those cuz you looked horrible Anyway, I I just had to talk about that. I forgot uh, to talk about it. So Hulk, he gets attacked by uh, Doctor, not Doctor Ross, uh, Thunderbolt Ross, who is going to play a part in what is that team? The Thunderbolts. I think it's the Thunderbolts. Anyway, he gets attacked, turns into the Hulk, and as he's turning into the Hulk, he continues getting bigger and bigger and bigger until he just. He explodes and the Hulk has been murdered seemingly as as well. And Black Widow is very close to finding out the truth. And she's doing some computer hacking stuff. And then she apparently is getting her ass. She's like, wait a second. It's you No, And then she gets her ass kicked and she's crawling toward the phone. She's on the phone with Nick Fury at the time. And she says, it's hope. Hope is behind everything. And when she said that, when I was watching it for the first time, I was like. Hulk. Hulk is behind everything. No, that can't be right. Hulk just exploded. (laughs) But she said hope. Uh, And so Nick Fury, he he goes to talk to talk to Loki about something. We don't know what he's talking about, but this big giant monster metallic robot guy that was in the first Thor. And then he goes back to the graveyard and he goes to Hope Van Dyne's um, grave. And turns out it was Hank Pym. Hank Pym came up and he turned into big Hank Pym. And he said, you know, I'm doing this because she was on a mission for S.H.I.E.L.D. And she died. She died because of you guys. And so he was kind of unhinged. And I just got to say, Disney, Marvel, if you guys could give us more of this unhinged Hank Pym. Yes, please, please do it. Like, he was crazy and maniacal. And I know in the comics, he is not as well put together. I mean, in the movies, he's an asshole. Sure. Sure. But in the comics, he's like an alcoholic, he's like an abuser, and he had uh, a very big influence on the creation of Ultron. I believe he was Ultron's father. I mean, they, they retconned it in the MCU to make it that Tony Stark was more of his father. Uh, Tony Stark and Jarvis, I guess, uh, more like. But anyway, uh, so Nick Fury uh, begins to fight Hank Pym, and he's actually holding his own and and Hank Pym's like, how are you doing this? You're like an old man. And then Nick Fury starts to multiply himself. And he was like, it was me, Loki, all along. And then Loki manages to freeze Hank Pym or or knock him out of the sky. I, oh, and Hank Pym's in like the yellow jacket outfit too. He's not he's not like Ant-Man in this. So that's pretty pretty interesting as well. And he gets he captures Hank Pym and, and Nick Fury's like, well, you got your pound of flesh. We'll see you later. And Loki's like, well... You know, not so fast. Uh, And then Loki took that opportunity to, to take over Earth. And he said, hey, I'm your ruler now. And so this makes me think, though, because we did see all of those commercials, all of those trailers and previews that had Loki from the Loki series as like a God King Loki. So is this Loki in the What If series who had actually managed to take over Midgard, take over Earth, well, the heroes have been dispatched. Is he now going to become a canon Loki in the MCU? Who knows, but I'm, I'm excited and eager to find out. And, and so Nick Fury, at the end of this, he's bound and determined to find new Avengers to include uh, Captain Marvel, who he calls on the pager, which I don't know why he'd need any other Avenger because she's very, very strong. They have, I, I am not super familiar with her character in the comic books, Uh, but I don't know if they haven't overpowered her. Maybe they have. Uh, But that was the third episode of What If. And like I said, I didn't think it was the strongest episode. It was still good. I still enjoyed it. Uh, But I think out of all of them, a rewatch is not guaranteed for uh, What If uh, the Earth lost its mightiest heroes. And then the, the fourth episode was What If Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands. And this one now If I had to pick a best episode so far, so far, again, this is coming out at a time when episode five has been released, but I'm recording this before I've seen episode five. So episode five could be my favorite as well. Uh, but I think either this one or the T'Challa Star-Lord episode are probably my favorite, uh, so far. And I will do another set of these, um, seeing as how I'm not doing them in like weekly OTE episodes like I would normally do where I would do a whole episode on Peggy Carter. Then I do a whole episode on the, um, what what was the second one? The the T'Challa one. I do a whole episode on the Hank Pym thing. So Uh, I'm going to put more of these out. Maybe Anthony will uh, talk about it if he, if he finds that I'm missing something in my conversation uh, with you as well. But for this one, Dr. Strange took a wildly different path to become the Sorcerer Supreme. So instead of getting into that car wreck and, and trashing his hands, where the, he then looked over the entire world to find a cure and eventually found himself seeking a cure in the mystic arts, in this one, his uh, girlfriend, his fiancee, I'm not sure what they are, Christine, in the car crash she was in the car and she died and he was so heartbroken that um he he searched the world to find i guess find meaning and became the sorcerer supreme that way and and events mostly played out the same way even to the point where he bargained with dormammu to set dormammu free from his time imprisonment uh but he becomes a Sorcerer Supreme, and he's sitting up in his, his uh, chair in the Sanctum Sanctorum, and the rain's coming down, it's on his face, and Wong comes up, and he sees him fiddling with the Eye of Agamotto, the Time Stone, and he says, hey, why don't you come down and have some tea before you do something silly? And that's when Doctor Strange does something silly. He takes the, the Time Stone, and he, he flips it open, and he goes back into the past, and he's like back where he's going to give Christine a ride again. They're on the way to a, an awards banquet. And he does things a little bit different, so he doesn't try and pass the truck. Still gets rear-ended, still goes off the road. Christine still dies. The Ancient One tries to talk him out of this. After he's gone back in several different ways, he's tried to skip the award ceremony, he's tried to go out for pizza, he's tried to stay home. He's tried to not show up and meet Christine at all and just chill at a bar by himself. But every time a different car hits him, She chokes on the pizza. She gets shot by a gun. She has a heart attack. He cannot save her life. And the ancient one comes and says, hey, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to save her life. Why can't I save her life? And she says, the death of Christine, this event is what we call an absolute point in time. So it cannot be changed. And I love that they're introducing this concept of an absolute point in time. The same way they've introduced kind of. A Nexus being, like Wanda Maximoff, the same way that they've introduced the concept of their being branching realities in multiple timelines, it's neat to think that there is a a system or a concept where timelines may even come back together to meet at this absolute point. So no matter what happens, this thing absolutely has to happen. Doctor Strange does not accept this. He fights the Ancient One. She gives him a blast. But he manages to teleport himself way back into the past to find this lost library uh, of Cagliostro. And The Castle of Cagliostro is an incredible anime by Studio Ghibli focused on the Lupin the Third franchise. So if you have an opportunity to watch that, it's on Netflix. It's super, super good. Anime aside, we're not talking about anime. We're talking about What If right now. So... He goes back to this, this library and he studies these ancient powers and he, he finds that he needs more power. And one way to do that is to absorb other beings. Now, I, for a second, with my anime brain and my knowledge of Full Metal Alchemist, thought that Doctor Strange was about to take a very, very dark turn toward evil and uh, go to absorb many, many people. A la full metal alchemist making a philosopher's stone, but that wasn't the case. He just starts to absorb demons, <laughs> no big deal. Uh, and he gets he starts with these lesser demons. He starts with there's like a a possessed garden gnome that comes out. He absorbs that and he absorbs. Well, there's a bug that has a cape on it. He doesn't want to absorb the bug because he I guess he's got a thing against bugs. But he takes the cape. There's this bug is wearing a cape and he gets this super sweet looking. Uh, huge bird thing and then there's like a double-headed hydra thing and a big giant snake and a fire-breathing dragon and all these things he's just absorbing into his body and you see these deep pockets in his eyes just getting deeper and deeper and at one point after a particularly exhausting absorption of some creature uh, he senses Uatu now Uatu says something he says the doctor's gone off the deep end. He's working away down a path. Some, he says something. And Stephen Strange goes, Hello? Who's there? And so he senses Uatu. So at that point, you can see that Dr. Strange has become so powerful that he can sense this otherworldly, this trans-dimensional, this fourth wall breaking entity of Uatu the Watcher. Um... So when he was fighting the Ancient One, though, the Ancient One didn't actually just blast him. She split Doctor Strange's personality. She split his timeline into into two separate timelines. I guess within the same timeline, perhaps. Uh, and so there's now a good Doctor Strange as well. So while all this is going on, well, the original Doctor Strange, we'll call him uh, Evil Doctor Strange for now, is back in time uh, absorbing these demons. Good Doctor Strange is up in his Sanctum Sanctorum. The rain's dripping down. He's thinking about Christine. Wong says, you better come get some tea before you do something silly. And he says, yeah, you're right. And he sets down the Eye of Agamotto, the Time Stone. So, the world starts falling apart after he talks, or he talks with the Ancient One and she's like, hey, I actually, I split your personality. You know, there's two of you now and the the timeline can come to an end. If you do not defeat this other version of yourself before he goes too far. And so Wong, uh, Wong and Stephen Strange, they cast like some protections on his face and they're like, well, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go get this guy. And then like this hole opens up beneath him. He's like, well, it looks like he's getting you. And he falls down this hole and he goes to fight this evil Dr. Strange. And so they kick off this fight and this fight is super... Cool. There's a, a point when both of their capes uh, separate from their bodies and their capes fight each other. And there's these really cool things. Uh, the the good Doctor Strange, he uses a sling ring to make a portal that he gets he gets knocked like straight down like he's going to fall into Earth. But then he portals before he impacts. And then uh, another portal opens up and it's like sideways and he like skids out on it. And they're using their lassos and their their... Uh, they're extra dimensional uh, spells and they're blasting each other. And it's just, it's such a cool dang fight scene. Um, And they, they fight to, oh, at at one point, Dr. Strange tells his cloak to go grab Evil Strange's arms. And when he does that, uh, Evil Strange like burns the, burns the cape right off of his arms. And so I I had my hand over my mouth. I, I was aghast that they just killed off one of the best characters in the MCU. This cape, cape was very funny in the the original Doctor Strange. Um, and eventually, after the fight uh, concludes, evil Doctor Strange wins, and he absorbs the other half of himself, the good Doctor Strange. And he he manages to manifest that car with Christine's body in it, and she becomes a bright blue light. But at that point. He has become so disfigured and he's become a monster with fangs and, and tentacles and, and giant bat wings and dragon scales. And he, he gets Christine in his arms, now fully revived, and she wakes up and she's horrified by the monster that's holding her. And he's like, it's me, I did it, I did this for you. And the universe is, begins collapsing on itself and these these dark... Amorphous black blobs start moving in from the side and and just consuming the world. And Stephen Strange says, I can fix this, I can fix and he he blasts a a shield around them, a, a red shield with his powers, and and he's 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 trying to stop it. And then he sees Uwatu and he he begs him. He says, You, I see you, I see you, you can stop this. And Iwatu comes closer into frame, and he says, I can't stop this. You had an opportunity to stop this. You were warned that this was going to happen. And, and Strange says, he says, I know, I know, and I know now, and I'm sorry. You can stop this. You're a god. And Iwatu says, I'm no god, and you're no god. And he declines to help, him and he moves back into the shadows to watch how this all plays out, because that's his thing. That's his job. He is the watcher. Uh, uatu is played by jeffrey wright who you will soon recognize in the new batman movie as commissioner gordon he also had roles in uh, westworld and apparently he's got a role in no time to die as well i got chills when he spoke because this was the first time that we had uh, heard uatu address a character within the show Um, before he'd just been a bystander a narrator a host for the what if show, but he actually played a part in saying, Hey, I can't, I can't help you Mac. And so I thought this whole, what if show was going to be very self-contained episodes. I thought there was going to be no overarching theme, but the more that I watch this, the more that I hear rumors on the internet, the more that uh, I I see uh, in this universe, in this what if universe, the more that I think, this is building toward a story and a story that also is going to bleed over into the MCU in some facet it has to so doctor strange is blasting he's made this shelter uatu's declined him the 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 gym shrinks down on itself it turns pur- purple it looks like he has it kind of contained but that's it that's his whole universe now just within this gym and as the camera slowly slowly pans out slowly backs away You just hear Doctor Strange weeping. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And that's the end of the episode. Mm, Chef's kiss. Great episode. Uh, Very good. And it's cool, too, because you hear these rumors online. A lot of people are looking at the Doctor Strange from the No Way Home trailer, the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, and they say, you know, that's not the normal Doctor Strange. That is a... An evil version of Doctor Strange. A lot of people are saying, Mephisto, Mephisto. Here he is, finally, Mephisto. But could this be a Doctor Strange variant in the way of one that has trapped himself in his own universe, but has also become so powerful that he can open up his universe to alternate dimensions to other universes? There are some people that I watch that say absolutely not. This is perfectly within Strange's character to try and erase Spider-Man's identity for him. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm very excited about that potential possibility. I am absolutely loving this series so far. I want to see more of the main universe and continuity. Of course, I want to see the characters that I have watched grow, uh, take the place of the, the main character, Captain America, Iron Man, that we saw leave at the end of the, this last decade, I want to see these other characters grow and I want to see their stories, but each one of these stories, these what if stories, I want to see spinoffs of, I want to see deeper dives into, and these particular characters and these particular incarnations of the universes with the multiverse of madness and with Spider-Man, no way home in particular, which of these characters might make their way into that mainline continuity. I think, based on the rumors, Peggy Carter is definitely a possibility. The dark or evil Doctor Strange, I think, is a real possibility as well. I think Disney is doing a good job of introducing the multiverse and, uh, you know, talking about it in a way that casual audiences can enjoy and... And, and that's to say, like, I'm not a huge comic book reader, so I have to do a lot of extra research if I really want to dive into these things, which I do. Um, is it we're going to go into these next few movies, especially these really space time bendy movies, uh, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Really with two different levels of preparedness. One level is going to be the Disney Plus subscribers, the the people that have watched these shows that are going to have all kinds of extra background information. And then a casual movie audience or a movie audience that only or exclusively goes to the MCU movies. I don't know how the casual watchers are going to catch up. I used to think before that uh, a couple throwaway lines of exposition at the beginning of the movie would be enough to to cover that kind of gap in knowledge. But anymore, with all of this that's going on, with the introduction, the explanation of a multiverse, and of an extra-dimensional being in Uatu, the watcher, that just watches... Like This stuff is going to need a lot of quick expositional explainers at the beginning of these movies. I'm very excited to see how they do it, but I am glad that I am on, on this side of those two audiences. One that you know has seen these other things, these extra things, gotten to experience them, and has a little bit more background. Because I think it's going to lend a little bit more of an appreciation to, to these movies. But I I trust Marvel, I trust the MCU, I trust Kevin Feige, and Kevin Feige, we trust that he is going to do a good job, as they have continued to do, in making these movies and this universe accessible to fans, no matter their level of participation. But that's it. That's that's what I wanted to talk about today. I talked about it. I talked about the What If episodes. We got a lot more episodes coming out on the podcast. Again, we've got The Weekend Wire, Monday Madness, The News Desk. We've got The Friday Show, and we've got on today's episode. If you want to get a hold of us, there's several ways to do it. Uh, I'd say you, we don't have a P.O. box yet, so you can't can't do it the old-fashioned way though if you would like to write us a letter put it in a bottle and throw it to poseidon you're more than welcome to do that Uh, otherwise you can get a hold of us on facebook twitter instagram at culture jack you can send us that email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com i would love to personally read your review of the show if you left a review on one of your favorite podcasting platforms But besides that, that is all I have for you guys today. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and I will see you next week on the Friday show. Cheers.